this week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. The Riptide get their first win, the Nighthawks go 0-2, and the Wings split during Week 8. Tracy Klosky and Panther City look to continue trending upwards as an expansion franchise. Every team takes to the turf in Week 9, plus a booster shot parlay. All that more on OTCB. My name is Teddy Jenner, and welcome back for another year of National Lacrosse League action. Matthews, quick stick. Are you kidding me? By Dylan Ward. I don't believe what I just saw. That's the save of the year right there. Oh, wow. Blair right down the middle, shoots, and he scores! seconds. He gets the ball back. Crowley fires wide. It's loose in the corner. Four seconds left. Still loose on the floor and the Wings are going to run out of time. Reardon shot stopped by Orleman and the New York Riptide have won their first game of the season. What's good everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast. I'm Teddy Jenner. He's Pat Gregoire. We are two guys that just love talking lacrosse. Welcome, Patty. How are you, my man? 
Doing good, my man. Everything seems to be rolling. We're we keep saying it. It's almost like we're expecting to have some sort of you know backtrack here, but everyone's done a pretty good job. Even with guys going on and off the COVID list, it's been you know you got to tip your cap to the league and these teams for figuring out a way to kind of continue to truck through this and. You know, with the NHL announcing on February 1st that they're no longer going to test asymptomatic um, vaccinated players, which I'm pretty sure the entire league is um, now, that's something that maybe the NLL follows suit. Maybe mm-hmm. we see something like that come down uh, the next few weeks or month. Um, but I think we're slowly, fingers crossed, getting through this. Uh, you can find the show on Twitter at OTCB underscore podcast. He's at P Greggy. I'm at Teddy Jenner. You can find the show on Instagram at OTCB podcast. Uh, just as you say that, Pat, uh, the Halifax Thunderbirds putting out a tweet saying, due to the latest restrictions imposed by the Nova Scotia government, we are unable to play our next two games on February 4th and February 12th in Halifax. We are extremely disappointed with today's news. And we'll be exploring all options in order to play our games. We'll have more information in the coming days. So um, that means it's going to be like three months before they probably play another home game. Um, I think one of those games you said is supposed to be a TSN game. So uh, not good for Halifax and their fans that they just can't find a way to get home games. in. Yeah. And the way that that, that is worded, and I know the way that, you know, Kurt Styers is as a general manager and as an owner, he's doing, as they say, everything in their power to find a way to make sure those games are getting played. And unfortunately for Nova Scotia and Halifax, it's not like Hamilton and here in Ontario where you can play in front of an empty building. And, you know, Jamie Dowick said, you know, this is, we have the TSN game, so we can go on that way. It's too important. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately with Nova Scotia, as we mentioned on this podcast before, there's no sports being played in that entire province as it is. So the game can't even go on in the province. So it's not like they can just play in front of an empty building and have TSN come in and, and broadcast the game. So my assumption, basically reading off what that is, they're finding somewhere outside of Nova Scotia to play those games. Um, I think an easy guess would be Six Nations, but I don't know if they have the capabilities in that arena to, you know, stream games. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that is, but you'd have to guess somewhere in Ontario that, that they're looking to try to find somewhere to play these two games because you can't keep postponing. It's at a point now where their schedule is so backloaded now in that, in the last couple of months, they can't postpone any more games. Uh, stay tuned to Thunderbirds Twitter and NLL Twitter and social media for more updates on that situation. Um, speaking of Kurt Styers, uh, yourself, myself, everyone in the lacrosse family uh, wishes to extend our deepest condolences, love, thoughts, prayers uh, to Kurt and his family as the sudden passing of his mother, Vera Styers, um, kind of maybe took the lacrosse world um, by surprise, but kind of sounds like it might have been something that was sort of in the future something was going to happen but um the patriarch or the matriarch of the Cyrus family Vera Cyrus has unfortunately passed away and um if you watch the every child matters video that Halifax did with their jerseys and with the story behind the handprints um you could hear how much Vera loved the the 
the game of lacrosse, the lacrosse family, but also how much Kurt loved his mother and her story. Um, so we all wanted to give our deepest condolences to Kurt in a, a very tough time. Absolutely. And the, the Steyer's family, um, you know, a, a, a very pronounced family in the Six Nations community and Vera, uh, one of them as well. And, um, you know, we're sending all our love to the Steyer's family, the Six Nations community. And, um, you know, a lot of people may not know that, you know, the handprints on that jersey, you know, as we mentioned, they are survivors of residential schools. And well, one of those handprints were Vera, who was a residential school survivor. So I know Halifax will be playing with some heavy hearts this weekend. I would be, would be, you know, shocked if they didn't wear those jerseys for her in honoring her. Um, and I, I know they're going to be battling for, for Kurt and his entire family. If you wanted to help with the Every Child Matter movement, uh, you can buy an ECM shirt like the players have been wearing throughout the National Cross League on nllshop.com or on fanatics.ca. You can head over there now and get yourself a t-shirt with proceeds going to some fabulous foundations. Um, and of course, the NLL is working on auctioning off some of those pregame warm-up shirts that have been worn by the players you can get in on that auction if you go to the NLL Twitter page. It's pinned at the top. Um, so please do what you can to help as the NLL tries to unite and bring everyone a little bit closer together. Um, as we move through week eight into week nine, what games from the past weekend? Uh, maybe what's the one focal point? What's the talking about? Is the Riptide's first W, Nighthawks losing both, or the split by the Wings? Uh, for me, I think it's the Riptide's first victory because I think that, and I said it last week, like if they lose that game, their season could spiral into something not not good and something that could change the course of their season. But with that being said, the win, I think, can change the course of their season. Now, all of a sudden, you get that first win, and yes, it is jam-logged in that middle pack of the East right now. But if you look at the standings, they're one and four, but, you know, if they string together a couple of wins, they can get into that little pack where there's a ton of teams with two wins. Yes, it's going to be difficult to catch Buffalo and Halifax who are at the top. Uh, Philadelphia, even, even with four wins and three losses. But just the way the Riptide responded is, is big for me. They could have easily, you know, gone into that game and, you know, packed it in when things got tough. But from start to finish, that offense looks like they've certainly found their stride. And we talk about how these young teams kind of struggle to find their identity early on in the season. Well, I think they've they've found their identity. It's going to be a team that plays fast on both sides of the ball, a team that can put the ball in the net. And, Ted, you've been beating this drum for so long now. If they can get some competent goaltending, mm -hmm. which they certainly got more than just competent goaltending on the weekend, that this is a team that can compete. That was what was holding them back. And I think if they can continue to do that, and I think Orleman is going to be their guy going forward, that now all of a sudden this is a team that can compete for a playoff spot. The one thing that I liked about New York in that game is, you know, they were up early. And then they were down. They got back up and they went back down. And they still had that mojo and they still had that drive mm -hmm. to stay in it. And a lot of times with expansion teams, you know, you give up a lead once, okay, you can get yourself back into it. You give up a lead twice, then that doubt starts to set in. You give up a lead a third yeah. time and you rarely can come back from that. It's because you don't have that winning mentality. 
But with Dan Lassour and his coaching staff and the leadership group of guys in that room, and that includes the young Jeff Teat, like he is a leader on that team. Those guys do not want to lose. And when you can find that resolve to come back a third time after giving up a lead and to win on the road your first time, um, that's a huge turning point. And like you said, you throw like, we'll talk about it in a little bit later on the show, but if they somehow came away with a win in Buffalo and they got some help above them, you know, they're at two, two wins. And now they're, you know, they're in that fifth hole and, and they're right in it. They're battling for, for a crossover spot. They're trying to get into fourth place for a regular spot. Like you're right. Two losses, you know, a, a loss this weekend would have been bad. Um, that win really kind of starts to turn them in a better direction. And from, Orleman all the way through Teat. I thought everybody was fantastic, but I thought that was Connor Kiernan's best game of his pro career. Like he's had some good games when he was with San Diego, but just the impact that he had in scoring those four goals um, just shows what he can do. And the fact that he's leading their team in goals with 16 is just a testament to him really having a breakout season. Yeah. Breakout of the year candidate for sure. And he's a guy that, you know, I, I've obviously got a, a lot of time to watch him playing with Whitby and with Brooklyn. And I've always loved his game. He's it's so cliche, but he's one of those guys that play the game, right? They play the game the right way. He's so good off ball. He's so smart. Uh, but now he's getting the opportunities to put the ball in the net. This is a guy that is just a natural goal scorer. Um, and He's a guy that, you know, kind of got buried in San Diego and, you know, that's a tough roster to crack. Uh, but coming into New York, uh, you know, the opportunity arose for him to, to, to come up in some big moments and he hasn't turned it down. And I think if you said, you know, at the start of the year that it would be Kernan who'd be leading this yeah. team in goals with all the studs that they have up on offense, I think you'd shake your head and say, you're crazy, but from what we've seen from him in, in his previous, like I said, with Brooklyn and with Whitby, we've always known he could put the ball in the net. It's just whether he could do it at this rate, you know, in the National Lacrosse League, and he's proven it, and I, I'm so happy for him. I need fans to watch Coast to Coast this weekend because Devin Caney comes out with one of the spiciest takes of the year, Ooh. and it has to do with this New York Riptide team. Um, but to not give too much away from that, Jeff Teat, uh, goal six assists uh, that first one one handed seeing eye flip inside Gross. Larson Sundown uh, gets a couple of goals Steven Orleman 56 saves so an excellent first win for the New York Riptide as they outgun the wings I, let's just work back in time uh, 24 hours before Philly surges in the second half against Rochester uh, 13 to three in the second half eight one in the third quarter alone every old guy scored at least twice except Corey Small, but he had four assists. When they are on, this Philadelphia offense can go shot for shot with Buffalo. Am I wrong? Or is that just the fact that they haven't played the top dogs in the East yet? I mean, until you said that last part there, I think you, I kind of could buy into that. But for me, I think, yeah, when they're on, no doubt they are. But they don't have the motor that Buffalo has that, you know, 
we haven't seen a lull from Buffalo yet. So maybe, mm. maybe this might be coming in the future to see when, but it seems like shift by shift, if someone's not going, someone else is going. Whereas with Philly, we see like quarter by quarter, sometimes the entire offense just, just goes to sleep, but they have so much firepower that they're never out of a game because they, they can just pour it on you. And, one thing that I thought, and I, I think they would disagree with what I just said, that they go to sleep as, you know, Crowley during that interview, David, Devin Caney said, you know, we don't need to do anything different. We don't have to make any second half adjustments. We just need to, the ball needs to sink. And there may be a team that is that volume shooting team that, you know, when things aren't working for them, it, it could go a little bit sour, but if they just trust the process, they believe that they're going to eventually breakthrough so when they're on they're on yeah I think they could I think they could but I think that there's just too many times that those little lulls when you play the Buffaloes when you play the Halifaxes Mm -hmm. you know when you play the San Diegos those little lulls can turn into big runs that are going to be too hard to overcome so maybe I'm wrong maybe once we see them maybe they're a team that just elevates their game um and plays up to competition or plays down to competition we shall see uh maybe it's because they played seven games and more than anybody else but the wings have six guys with 20 points or more on the season so that offense is putting up numbers the night before the rochester nighthawks fell to the Georgia Swarm. Mike Poulin finally has a strong game in net. They get some contributions from Ethan Walker, who gets a pair of goals. They get six points, I think, from Lyle Thompson. Uh, They get some great goals in transition. Maybe Georgia's best game of the year? Definitely their best game of the year. And it was arguably their most and no not even arguably it was the the game that they were most shorthanded they had more than six guys on that covid protocol list but guys stepped up and came to play and as we mentioned multiple times it doesn't matter who's in the lineup but if number four is written on the game sheet you know that he's going to provide you with offense and he's never going to not do everything in his power to make sure that they're in this game and they have a puncher's chance to win, but they had more than just that. And I think something that really was a big difference and you mentioned it was, was Mike Poulin mm-hmm. 41 saves. He's making the saves that he needed to make. There wasn't those backbreaking outside shots that you just need your goaltender to make. And I said it multiple times and uh, you know, Jumbo said it on the, the Friday night spaces for flash that night that, he needs to be better and we know he's going to be better. He doesn't have to be, you know, standing on his head, making 50 plus saves every night. He just needs to make the saves to not, you know, not deflate that defense because the defense is so young when they see their goaltender give up the shot that the defense is predicated on, you know, allowing that outside shot. It just is so demoralizing. He stepped up big. They needed it. And that's a huge win. And now all of a sudden you're, you're thinking, is Georgia legit? Uh, they, they might not be the team that we've been used to seeing in the past, but this is a pesky, pesky team. Yeah, and like like you mentioned, if they get those guys that are were on COVID and they get healthy and Mike Poulin plays the way he did, um, I don't think that game's as close to, as it is, and I think we start to see a Georgia team start to find a little bit of confidence as we move along. Um, before we get to Tracy Kluski and the Panther City Lacrosse Club, um, I got a question for you. There are three teams currently one and four, the Riptide, the Rush, 
and Panther City. Who's the better one and four team, and which team has the best chance to get to the postseason? Oh, God. I want to say Panther City because we have TK coming up, and I know if he would not like the answer if I didn't say that, but I think it's Saskatchewan, and I know the sky's falling, and everyone's demanding that there should be trades made, but when you look at that core, you look at the leadership, you look at the coaching staff, the management, they are a team that has faced adversity before, and they're a team that's notorious for starting slow. Not this slow, mind you. This mm-hmm. is where they should have already hit their stride. We know there are some holes in this team. The righties aren't clicking as much as they once were. They're relying really heavily on Church and on Matthews. Their defense is still great. They don't have an elite goaltender in net, but shoot has been okay. He's been good enough. The thing that I just have the most trust in is that those guys, this could be their last quote unquote kick at the can with this group. And I think that is something that can motivate them. And it's like a chip in a chair. I was talking to Evan Sheminer and that's what he said, you know, asking him, he said, it's a chip in a chair. All you got to do is get in that, that postseason, and anything can happen. Yeah. I the agree. talent, the system, the culture will take over. Yeah, and I, and I if think, they just get there. Yeah. And I think the fact that, and I, I mentioned this on coast to coast this week, that, the fact that they're one and four sucks, obviously. But the fact that they're a win from being tied for or like being in third place, maybe yeah. that's predicated Derek Keen and say, hey, maybe I don't have to press the panic button quite just yet. Let's kind of get through this rough stretch. Let's get to February, let's see where we are, and then we can reevaluate. Because you would have thought that after you know this two-game losing streak that they're on and the way they've kind of been losing games that he would have made a move by now. And so maybe he's just thinking, you know what, maybe let's pump the brakes a bit. There's no panic. We're, if we can right this ship, we can get back into the playoff spot. And they're not far off of that. So uh, they have a huge game this weekend against Panther City at home. Tracy Kluski and his crew will be looking for their second win of the year. Can they get it? It's a tough task. But he believes in his group. He believes in his team. And he knows that having a little bit of fun goes a long, long way. This is Tracy Kluski of Panther City Lacrosse Club right here on the Off the Crossbar podcast. Joined now by head coach of the Panther City Lacrosse Club, Tracy Kluski. TK, how are you, my brother? I'm doing fantastic, Teddy. Thanks for having me. Uh, no worries, man. I think the last time I saw you in person, you were standing on top of a bar in Victoria screaming, I believe that we can and will win with the Man Cup. Um, now you're living the life down with the Panther City Lacrosse Club, um, but you're also involved in the All-World Box Lacrosse Academy. And I want to touch on this before we get any further, because this is just a great initiative that you and, and a bunch of guys are really starting to put together to make sure coaching is going in the right direction. Yeah, no, absolutely. Something that I'm, uh, you know, really, really excited about. Obviously, have my hand in uh, with Evolve Lacrosse, and you know, lacrosse is my life. And you know, just kind of being in the industry a long time, and you know, knowing a lot of people in the industry. One of the things that, you know, obviously, box lacrosse is going is is taking shape in the U.S. Uh, thanks to U.S. box and U.S. lacrosse and. You know, one of the things and you know for me as a pro coach is we're getting us guys come to our camps um certainly skilled uh, maybe don't know, know some of the nuances as well as some of the canadian guys and 
really what we've tried to do is, uh, well, what we have done is we put together a list of, you know, the, the who's who of box across, you know, guys that have coached in the NLL, general managers in the NLL, guys that have played in the NLL at a high level, but most importantly, guys who, who understand, you know, what the deliverables are and what the, you know, a teaching philosophy so that, you know, it's consistent, right? We, we want to be vertically aligned with, uh, you know, the NLL and the rules of the game and kind of the strate- strategic parts of the game. And, you know, what better way to, you know, get, you know, I think we have 26 directors currently. Um, you know, my phone's kind of blowing up daily with guys wanting to be a part of it. Um, but, you know, we have some of the best minds in the game, uh, you know, on, on, on our staff and, you know, as directors. So I'm excited. I'm excited for it. I'm excited, to, you know, to continue to learn the game um, from some of the great directors we have. But we certainly have a, a template in place where, you know, it's vertically aligned with, you know, what, what we're trying to teach. So, you know, a kid in Texas or is going to learn the same thing as a kid in Peterborough or uh, someone in Iowa or, or Florida or wherever it be, right? So our headquarters are down in Florida, but we're certainly very excited to, to launch and, and get going with it. Allworldboxlax.com is the website. You can also follow them on Twitter, allworldboxlax. Um, we often talk about the coaching pipeline in the National Lacrosse League and how much of it stemmed from the late, great Les Bartley. Uh, you have played under and, and for and with some of the great coaches in our league. Who do you think is the coach that made the most impact on your current coaching style right now? Uh, you, you kind of take uh, snippets from everybody. You know, again, yeah, I was fortunate to play with uh, under last, you know, Eddie Como, who's still in our game, was, uh, was a great mind. Uh, you know, CH, uh, one of the best in the business. Um, and, and, of course, the late great uh, Terry Sanderson as well, right? So I've had the privilege of, uh, you know, being coached by some of the game's best and, Again, you take snapshots and you take things that, um, you know, from my personality and their personalities that match and, and, and try to do the best job and roll out something that I think those guys be proud of and uh, really just kind of live, live, you know, through those guys because they are and, and still are, you know, the, some of the best games uh, names in the game, right? Sticking on the themes of, of coaching, but you mentioned big names in the games you know, you bring on Dan Teat and Steve Toll, two guys that, you know, you, you've played with and against uh, over your career, but not much con- coaching connection. How has the dynamic uh, been between the coaching staff so far? You know, I really did. Uh, you know, Toller's a guy that, you know, I'm, I'm certainly a little bit more familiar with. He, he works with me with my, my lacrosse brand back home with Evolve Lacrosse. And um, I've had the opportunity to play with him more so than Dan, um, obviously competed against Dan, you know, large part of my adult life, but um, really good. You know, at the end of the day, we, we all share in the, the common belief that, you know, we want to, we want to uh, empower our guys, um, certainly educate them, make sure that we have guys that are coachable guys that, that want to compete. But um, you know, the, the, the message of uh, dressing room, that's tight um, culture uh, guys all pulling on the rope for one another. That's, you know, that's been their message since day one. And that's how I operate. And of course, they they bring their dynamics with their uh, their intelligence and lacrosse intelligence. So, uh, you know, for me, it's uh, you know it's a win win situation. It's a it's a great situation, and again, win win. But um, you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with, and I'm certainly surrounded by two of, uh, two of the best minds in the game. When you go back and think about your time with the Montreal Express uh, as an expansion team, and 
all the the ups and downs you've had, did that prepare you for the ups and downs as a first year head coach? You think? No, absolutely. And again, I, I look at you know I almost you know I was a part of uh, Columbus Land Sharks as well prior to that, right? A brand mm-hmm. new franchise, and then you look at you know Montreal. We were you know in and out a year and done, but Calgary we were in our infancy as well. So yeah, you learn, right? You learn, and you know that it's a process. You know that you have to. Uh, you have to stick with that process. And again, we had great leaders with, uh, you know, I had Terry Sanderson in Montreal and, and CH in, in Calgary guys that, again, they were, they were stern. They were, they were, uh, they believed in the system. They believed in the players, um, knew that it was going to be a slow grind, but, um, you know, lo, lo and behold, if you stick with the process, um, you're going to have success. And that's been my message since day one is, Hey, we're going to, we're going to collectively go at this. Um, we feel we have a real good group of guys um, that, that, you know, from a skill perspective and even from a culture perspective that are, that are going to help, you know, shape Panther city into being a championship caliber team. One thing when building a team, building that culture, you can preach it from a coaching staff, but you need those players to buy in. And usually the first ones to buy in, uh, you know, are the leaders, the veterans and, you had a team coming into training camp, pretty young, not a ton of experience, but one guy that you saw, obviously a ton of leadership was Chad Cummings. And some people kind of saw that as a little bit of a surprise, but what exactly did you see in training camp that you knew right away that Cummings was going to be the guy to lead this team? Oh, I, I just, you know, we look at everything, uh, you know, as a whole, we, one of the things that we said to our entire group was that, you know, it's, it's a fresh slate. Right. And, and Chad's a guy that, you know, has played in this league and has had some success in this league. But I, I just think his approach, right, of of understanding that we are going to have on the road and it's OK to make mistakes. Right. And he'd be the first guy, um, you know, that would point inward um, when a mistake was happening. Right. So, um, you know, accountability and having people that are responsible for their actions are, are huge for me. And, and Chad's a guy that. Um, not only is he like that with himself, but I, I think he's he, he's knowledgeable of it. Not I think I know he's knowledgeable about the game, and he's certainly um, you know he's a he's a true professional. So it was a no brainer for us. And obviously, I know Mouse, and I know you know the dynamics to him in that locker room as well of being a quiet leader. Um, like it, it, we we, want, we didn't want people to to not be themselves, and I think that's why you know we were so heavily involved and and really took our time with the expansion draft, and that's something that Bob Hamley, our general manager. Um, made sure is that hey we can scout talent um, but uh, as we're doing this thing we want to scout you know great great men um, that that have character and, and it boils down to you know a personal accountability um, and certainly uh, ability on the floor as well who's been the the one guy that's kind of maybe maybe exceeded expectations so so far for you uh, you know, we've had a, a lot of young guys, you know, the guys that have, you know, I had a conversation with Jordan Trache today, you know, he's played five games. I said, how many games you played in the NLL? He goes five. Right. And, um, you know, he's going to make mistakes. But again, that's, I think I, I've been happy with everybody's performance. When you look at our season thus far, and I've said to the guys since, since day one, you know, obviously um, it's not advantageous for my job to be on the losing street and not, not worry about wins and losses. But as long as we're taking the step in the right direction, then, uh, you know, every week, every week, then, then we're doing things the right way. And 
uh, truth be told, everybody's been really, really, really good. Um, it's, it's a learning curve. We've empowered these guys to have some input, obviously, on some of the tactical things that we want to do. But really, it's, uh, you know, for me to, to point out one guy over the next would be would do, do an injustice to our whole group because we've had buy-in from everybody. You know, I love the excitement that, you know, a young guy that Nathan Grennan brings. I love, you know, Jeremy Thompson's passion of, you know, always smiling and, you know, wanting to help younger guys. But that that's collective throughout our locker room. Connor Zellers, Matt Hossett, like the, the, the list could go on and on, but we, we really have a group of men that um, uh, create, have created, started to create that family um, dynamic within the locker room, which is, as we all know, Teddy, that's, those are some of the best teams you play on and more times than not, that's what leads to, to success. Um, you talk about the young guys. Uh, I would be um, revoking my Islander card if I didn't ask about how well <laughs> you've been uh, impressed with Patrick Dodds. Dodds has been, been unbelievable, right? And, and yeah. uh, you know, Will Malcolm and other guy, you know, two, two Victoria lads that, uh, or I guess uh, uh, Malcolm's, Malcolm's uh, a mainlander. Mainlander, but uh, no, Dodds has been great. Like he's, again, a sponge, um, you know, the things that we've wanted him to do. And again, we, we, we talk about it all the time with our group. Um, the opportunity that presents itself, not too many 20 year olds um, have the opportunity to set up a power play at, at the National Lacrosse League level. Right. And, and he certainly ran with that. Um, and for the most part, all of our guys have. And that's, you know, embrace it. Um, on, again, my approach has been we're, we're going to we're going to take our time. We know that we're going to make mistakes. And that's that's part of the process. But make sure we're correcting it. And, and Dodsey's been a guy that he's a sponge, um, certainly brings an unbelievable skill set to the table. But um, again, he, he's a he's a 20 year old guy, but. He's, he's taken the bull by the horns and really, I'm really proud of him. And, um, you know, his ball, his best ball, obviously, is, is yet to come. You mentioned uh, Matt Hosick, and he's a guy that clearly you guys targeted in that expansion draft and, and said many times on the record that he's a cornerstone piece. You're trying to build that defense around. And he's a guy that has always been in the shadows, whether it's big brother or all those studs on the back end for Saskatchewan. Um, but you've thought that this was going to be an opportunity for him to rise to the occasion. How do you think he has played so far in this season with a much bigger role? I think he's been played great. And again, I think you look at it, you know, when we pick guys, it's like, you know, you know what system they played. I know we're playing a very similar system to Sask we have this weekend, but um, yeah, certainly a guy that, you know, wasn't in, you know, obviously that, that team's top five. So I think he's flourished in that, in that role. Um, you know, he's a, he's a quiet leader for us. He, he understands what we want to do. And again, he's contributing on the transition side of things, which is something that's, um, you know, we've, we've, we've said from day one. Um, and I don't think it's any secret to any teams that we're playing that we like to push the tempo. And Maddie's certainly a guy that um, can bring that to the table. So not only is he doing, you know, a, a great job for us on the backside, he's, uh, he's he's getting up the floor and manufacturing and transition as well, which is something that we knew that he was able to do and 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 has been doing, so it's great. How would you rate your team's response since the Banesh trade? Because that can be pretty shocking for a young team with a lot of guys first year in the league that haven't really been through that process. Yeah, no, it was a tough one. And I, and again, it, it fully transparent with our group and that that's part of the conversation. And even talking with Benny, like, you know, young family, you know, traveling cross country, 
Um, you know, we had snippets of, of seeing, you know, what that looked like. And I know travel hasn't, hadn't been great up until then. And we've since tweaked it, but, um, you know, just with the overall dynamic with our group, um, not to say that we didn't have stock in the guys that we picked, but I, I think it really, you know, the message was that, you know, Benny's a great player. He's a hall of famer in our league. Um, but we're real comfortable with the group of men that we have as well. And, and that was the message. And, and I think, again, from there, guys have, have since taken on bigger roles and, and maybe have, um, you know, gotten a little bit of a swagger in their step, knowing that, hey, hey they are the guy, right? Where Benny was the guy and, and truth be told, he, as he should be, right? Because he's, again, he's a Hall of Famer in our league, but, um, and, he, and he was a leader and he's a guy that keeps the rock locker room loose as everybody knows. But mm-hmm. um, it, was, it was one of those situations where it was a win-win for, for I think, um, Ryan Banesh as, as it was for Panther City and obviously Albany. Uh, when did Kevin Orleman start to push himself at a uh, Nick Damood and how have you liked his composure down the stretch of these last few games? Yeah. You know, I didn't, I, I hate to put one in front of the other because they're both, it's like, it's, it's a tandem, a tandem approach with those guys. And we certainly have given the ball to, to early right now because, you know, he's playing real well. And um, I think it's something that came from training camp. You know, he's, He's obviously surrounded himself in uh, really good situations coming from a successful franchise uh, um, with the with the Georgia with the Georgia Swarm and maybe you know wasn't didn't have a voice so you know him coming in and you know having some experience in the league I think has only empowered him that much more um, and, and gave him a little bit of confidence we've we've worked on we've tweaked some some subtle things about his game that I think he's bought into and really again it's just about a guy taking full advantage of the opportunity and and Nikki's done the same you know I couldn't be happier with both our goalies um or at least certainly running with it right now but I, I we know the NLL there's mm-hmm. going to be a time where we're gonna we're gonna need Nikki and I'm happy with both our goalies and that to me is um as we all know building a, a an expansion club that's that's the biggest the biggest checkbox and uh going into the season so to to answer the question from you know four questions ago um very, very pleased with our goaltending because, uh, you know, they kept us in games um, and, and provided us an opportunity to win every night. So you guys roll into one of the toughest places to play in the National Lacrosse League, but you're riding off a big victory. And the Saskatchewan team's just a little bit different than what we've seen before at this point in the season. Uh, what's been the message all week long going into this big game against Sask? Uh, no different than, you know, the message since day one. Prepare, prepare, prepare. Um, we certainly have our scout. Um, um, our, our coaching staff's done a fantastic job of, you know, um, you know correcting some of the things that we've done Um maybe not up to snuff uh, prior to, to prior tonight. We obviously, I mean, prior to this weekend, um, but we are, again, no different than, you know, playing anybody else. We, we prepare for them. Um, it, again, the message is, is trust the process, get better than you were the week before. Right. And, you know, our, our goal is to, to, to keep, keep climbing the mountain. And yeah, we know Sask is, uh, you know, struggling as well. And we know they're going to come out hungry, but, you know, from, from my perspective, that doesn't change our approach. Our approach is prepare, um, educate you know ourselves on what they like to do, and yeah, they're going to be hungry. But we we continue to have to beat the pavement with you know the things that we're doing, you know the off the off floor workouts and you know watching film, um, the group chats, 
um, staying on top of uh, all the things that we, we need to stay on top of in order to, to survive in this league. Would you have believed me if on December 1st I told you that when it became February 1st, you guys would have a chance to be ahead of Saskatchewan in the standings? Uh, my job would, uh, no, I would, yeah, I would believe you 100% I would. I believe that we would be, we could be uh, four and one or five and one and be at the top of the West because again, that's, that's my mindset, Teddy. Um, and everything's a mindset, right? It's like, yeah, we're an expansion club, but that, that, that's done. That's behind us. We're, we're just a group of men, uh, no different than the group of men in Saskatchewan or no different than the group of men in Calgary, uh, Colorado vying for an NLL championship. Yeah, we don't have the experience, but to a man, uh, you go out and compete. And, and, you know, my big message again for our group, uh, prior to New York, prior to uh, San Diego was we should have been on the, we should have been two and one going into San Diego. We should have been three and one after San Diego, right? There's, there's things that, and we, or we could have been mm-hmm. right. And should have, what it could is I know where I don't get you very far, but um, believe in the fact that you've arrived and that we can play with anybody in this league. Um, our goaltending's playing great. Our, our back ends, I'm as comfortable with our back end as I would be anybody's in, in the national lacrosse league and our offensive guys are finding their groove. So um, yeah, you know what? I, I would, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I know they're a very good team, but I, I'm confident in our group, and that's been my ment- my, my mantra for since day one. Love that, absolutely love that. I know you're focused on this season, but how excited are you to get Randy Stotts and Jonathan Donville into this lineup next year? Yeah, I know I'm very excited. Uh, and again, we we have some draft picks, and you know we have some guys in the wings as well that 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 are going to come in and and hopefully bolster us. And that's, that's part of the messaging with our group and no different than, you know, Halifax or Toronto or Philadelphia. Um, every time you step on the floor, it's an audition, right? And, you know, part of what I've said to the guys is, you know, at halftimes, there's been a couple of halftimes, like nobody's coming, right? No, and then there's nobody coming right now. But in reality, we do have people coming. We have draft picks. We have uh, two unbelievable, two of the best righties, I think, in the game or, or going to be in the, in the game. Like Randy's obviously proven himself to be one of the best righties in the game. Donville's uh, is going to get there. Uh, so we do have people coming. We have other draft picks. Where are you going to be when this ships? Uh, it's already set, set its course. Where are you going to be come that time? Right. Cause this, this is going to be a pretty awesome ride being along uh, with Panther city. We want to take as many people on and, and every week's an audition for that, for that opportunity. And, you know, this season, um, uh, this season included, right? A lot of buzz around Panther City. The fans are starting to get on board of that ship. And with that buzz comes noise. And obviously that noise means there's probably no Panthers sleeping in the cities. Um, <laughs> TK, I appreciate your time, my man. It's uh, it's awesome to see your success. First time as a head coach in the NLL and, and your boys are starting to kind of follow your lead. It's been awesome to watch and continue success, my friend. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Always a pleasure. There he is. That's Tracy Kaluski from down in Fort Worth. He's spending some time down there. Uh, yeah, I guess there's probably a lot of noise, so no Panthers sleeping in the streets. None. None whatsoever. I think this is a team that's starting to make noise in that market, and we haven't seen a home game in a little while, but I, I wonder if that that win generated some buzz around that city and around the Dallas Fort Worth area because 
you know, we saw the crowd start. They were obviously not as big as a lot of people expected, but you know, they, the, I think that second game, it got a little bigger, but when you win, winning is going to bring people in and that culture that they've built in the locker room, if they can get that winning culture out into the public, it's going to be infectious. And I'm really excited to see because um, the arena is beautiful. Fort Worth, Dallas, Fort Worth is one of my favorite places to visit in the States. Um, I think that's a, that could be an absolute gem for the National Lacrosse League. Yeah, they got two road games coming up at Sask this weekend then at Vancouver, which is a TSN game of the week on the 5th. And then they play at home against San Diego, at home against Calgary, at home against Vancouver, at home against Saskatchewan all the way through March 5th. So they're going to have a good stretch of home games. If they can put a win or two together in these next couple games, come home uh, with a bit of momentum, I definitely think you see an uptick in their attendance as they make that stretch through February and into March. So a ridiculously quiet weekend in week seven, or sorry, week eight, a monstrously loud weekend coming up. In week nine, every single team plays and every single team, fortunately, plays on Saturday night. So you're going to have to make some decisions of which game gets the TV, which game gets the computer, the laptop, the phone, have all of your devices ready. However, it is going to be a busy week. And we talk about moving day in the world of golf. I think this could be a bit of a moving day for some teams. So let's start with the game of the week on TSN. You will have it alongside John Abbott and Ashley docking. It's Rochester at Toronto in front of no one with eyeballs aplenty though. This is a big game for, for the rock because they need to start to build some momentum, especially coming up against a Rochester team that just dropped two in a row. Yeah. This is a team that similar to what we were talking about with, with Saskatchewan. There's no panic in the room. They're not worried, but there is definitely a sense of urgency. Yeah. They know that these, these wins can't keep snowballing. And, you know, there is definitely a ton of positivity around last game. Like, you know, you, you had a lot of guys out of the lineup, like Hellier and, and Latrell Harris. That's like of your, you know, your top impact player, players of five of them that's that's probably two of the five that you have on both sides of the ball and you know they dig deep they take Halifax to overtime Challen Rogers has nine points yeah. um, you know Zach Manns has a coming out party the you know a couple of youngsters Dilk scores two goals Chris Weir scores in his first game um, Phil Mazuka plays in his first game and looks pretty good uh, TD Erlin uh, almost splits a 50 50 draw with wizards with uh, Nick Rose gets yanked and you, you have your third string goalie go in and, and play great. So there's all this positivity, but at the end of the day, they're all saying it needs to be a win. We're, but we're if done. it isn't a win, we, does we're, panic we're, set in? I still don't know if it, it sets quite in, but I just think that this is a team that has so much belief in themselves that they're a championship contending team that same thing with them. They just need to get into that playoff to compete. But like we said, they've already lost two games to Halifax. They've lost the tiebreaker there. They've already lost one game to Buffalo. They can't afford to lose another one there or they'll lose the tiebreaker there. Now, if they lose to a team in Rochester that they probably deem that they're a better team, they won't want to admit it that there's, that they'd be hitting the panic button, but you better believe Jamie Dowick's 
firing up the old iPhone and seeing what, what kind of trades he can, he can muster up. But they're also a team though. If you think about it, Teddy, we haven't seen the Toronto rock at full strength. No, no, whether it's injuries, COVID, we have not seen their entire team and we really haven't seen Nick Rose at his best either. Yeah. So once they, I I want to hold off my judgments on this rock team until we see them at full strength. And I do, I do think that they are a championship caliber team. We just haven't seen it just yet. Uh, so that game Saturday night, TSN game of the week goes at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Nope, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Yep. Uh, also at 7 p.m. down in uh, deep south Georgia, Philadelphia versus Georgia. Uh, we kind of talked about this a little bit before, but Philadelphia has wins versus New York, Panther City, Rochester, and Georgia. None of those teams have winning records. They also have a plus four goal differential in those four wins. Are you buying or selling the Philadelphia wins? Can I hold? No. (laughs) Oh, God. I... In terms of... Can this team win a championship? I'm selling. Okay. I'm selling and I might, I might regret it. I might sell and the stock might go through the roof, but right now you're supposed to, and I'm not a big stocks guy. I'll have to ask our, our buddy, Charlie Ragusa and Jim else with the crypto and, and all that, when you should sell, when you should buy, but I'm pretty sure sell high, buy low. And they are as high as it can be right now. But there's just too much uncertainty with this team for me right now. There's a good chance they finally put it together and I'll feel like an idiot for selling. Uh, but there's too many teams in the East that I like better than them, two most, most notably. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I mentioned this to Devin Canyon when we were talking Saturday about the game. I said, Philadelphia just needs to come out and have a dominating performance to really put some of that ease behind. And they had it in that second half of the game Saturday against a Rochester team that just ran out of gas. But the fact that they weren't able to back it up the next day against New York still kind of, it, it kind of goes, it kind of just detracts from that big effort they had in that second half. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, okay, yes, they finally put a team away that they were supposed to put away. And then the next day, okay, they had a bit of a stinker against New York and they couldn't really pull it away. They, they have a terrible turnover at halftime, right at the end of the half where Anthony Jokum yeah. throws it away and, and Danny McBride um, picks it off and, <laughs> and sends it the other way for a heartbreaking goal um, at that ha- at the end of the half, which, you know, really turned the tide for New York because they were still in that game. So uh, I'd, I want to buy the wings because I really think at the end of the day, they, they are going to be there as one of the top teams. But I don't know. If, if someone offered me some good money for them, I, I would probably sell them. Um, yeah. so, and that's why I said I, I would hold. I would yeah. hold. I want to okay. see them play. I want to see them play they need to play. Yeah, they need or, to play Toronto. They need to play Halifax. They need to play Buffalo. And I, I know people are going to be like, oh, they already played Toronto. Well, they were missing a ton of guys. Yeah. So I want to see Toronto at full strength, or I want to see them play Halifax or Buffalo. And then I think we can really get a, a true yeah. judgment. Absolutely. Um, so that game, 7 o'clock, again, Georgia coming off a big win versus Rochester as they'll try to put two wins 
together and hopefully have Shane Jackson and company back. Uh, third game, Buffalo at New York. New York again with their first win. Buffalo, the hottest team maybe in the National Lacrosse League right now. Fill in the blank, Caddy. New York beats Buffalo if. Matt Vins has a stinker. What are the odds of that? Not very high, but that's what that's the only way I honestly can see New York beating Buffalo because if they're going to beat Buffalo, they're gonna it's gonna have to be like a 1918 game or something. Yeah, I don't it's gonna think be a ridiculous defense. shootout. And I know I gave a lot of praise to, to, to Orleman, and he is you know a young budding star in this league. Um, but that's a tall task to be able to shut that that offense down. So I think it's going to have to be an all out shootout. And I think Vince is just going to have to have an off game um, for them because he's been playing the arguably the best lacrosse that we've seen him play. And it's like, it's Tom Brady ask. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely nuts. He's my goaltender of the year so far. And I think almost everyone tends to agree. Yeah. I, I don't have anything bad to say about that thought process. He is playing uh, absolutely lights out. He, he's giving them, like we talked about it so many times, you know, the winning teams are getting those saves when they need them and they're not letting the soft goals in or the bad goals from like long outside shots to beat a 30. He's not letting those in. And those were never really Matt Vince MOs to begin with. He's always been a very, you know, a steady, always on 60 minute kind of guy, but the way he's playing, the confidence he's given that defense and then the energy that breeds into that offense um, is just phenomenal. I think this is going to be a very long night for the New York Riptide. And like I said, the, I think the only way they really, the only way they win that game is if somehow they can make it to overtime and Jeff Teat scores a, a banana lands goal to, to get them there. Um, that game goes at 7.30 Eastern, NASA live, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, Halifax at Albany. This is, thanks to our boy Adam Levy, the 66th meeting between these two franchises dating all the way back to when they were Philadelphia and Rochester in the early days. I think this has the potential to be the game of the weekend. I mean, it's one team that is, you could argue one of the hottest teams in the league uh, against a Halifax team that they're three and zero, but it's been a roller coaster in every single game with maybe the exception of that Toronto game. Uh, I, I'm excited to see this obviously Banash, it's not like he's playing you know a team that he played many years for but his team that he played for last year a team where it seemed like a lot of people thought this was where his career was going to end and maybe win a championship there um but this new england team slash albany has given this halifax slash Rochester team some fits over the years Mm -hmm. Uh, I think they beat them pretty good in uh, New England last year I think the year before that they went two and one and I know it's new franchises new faces but a lot of the core is the same and one thing that is the same for Albany is the principles that they have it's a team that likes to push tempo it's a team you know that tries to stay disciplined capitalize on their power plays so if Halifax which has gotten them in trouble in previous years and even when they've gone into lulls this season it's been when they've taken you know unnecessary penalties and when they get caught in those track meets and talking to Mike Kersey he says that he tells his defense all the time 
We want to play transition, but we don't want to get into a track meet. He finds that when the defense is pushing too much, it takes away the reps from the offense and they lose that flow and it just gets too helter skelter. And that's the game that Albany wants to play. Uh, also, we're starting to see Doug Jameson maybe get back to Dougie of old. It took, I think I truly believe that the shock to his system of that massive weight loss really kind of threw him off to start the season. But now he's kind of adjusted to it. He's understanding his angles better. He's understanding how he has to position himself a little bit better. And we're starting to see the Dougie that was goaltender of the year Dougie before COVID. 100%. And I think if he – Albany goes as far as Dougie is able mm-hmm. to take them. If Dougie's mm-hmm. going to have an average season, they're going to have an average season. If he's going to be a goaltender of the year, they're going to have an opportunity to potentially go on a playoff run. So that is 8 p.m. Eastern at MVP Arena. Maybe the best name in the league. Uh, maybe next to Ball Arena. Uh, 8.30 p.m. <laughs> at Saskatel Center. We already talked about this one a little bit. Panther City taking – on the Saskatchewan rush. And I think this is a catalyst game for both of these clubs. A win really kind of fires them in the right direction, but would a loss be the to Panther city be the final straw for Derek Keene to make a move? I think you would have to, because then now all of a sudden you're potentially in last place. Like if Calgary is able to pick up a victory, you're, you're in last place by yourself. Mm-hmm. And we, we talked about it. Yes. You know what? It's not too, too hard right now with a lot of teams in the West struggling and not capitalizing on, on some, some opportunities, but it's clearly, it will show if they lose to uh, an expansion team, that's going to be deemed unacceptable for Derek Keenan and, and for Jeff McComb. Like they, they just simply can't, this is a team that holds themselves to a championship standard. Um, and I think that would be enough for them to say, all right, this isn't working. We're going to make a trade. Someone's coming out. Someone's going back in. And I, I think, I think it's going to, ha- I think that has to happen. That absolutely has to happen because this is a team that's going to have a lot of changes next year. So what you just blow it up now? Like, no, that's not going to happen. They're not with the Saskatchewan rush. They're going to be a team that's all or nothing at all points until this roster does end up changing significantly next year. But I still think they have so many good young pieces that they'll always be a team that's, that's ready to compete. Okay. So little devil's advocate here, say they lose and they fall to one in five and a team comes calling for some of your guys. Do you make that trade and look towards the future as Derek King loves to do start stockpiling draft picks and, and maybe you do start moving on from some of your guys. Does that happen? I honestly did. When I said all oh, like, that's not what they're going to do, but I mean, this is what Derek, this is how Keenan built this rush rush, you know, quote unquote dynasty. Mm-hmm. It was, it was selling, selling off pieces. And I don't know, maybe that's, I think there's, there's two directions that you have to go. You either it's, it's going to be changed. There's going to be change whether if there's a loss, it's going to be a change, either change that they're blowing everything up. The, the fire sale starts down, the rebuild starts down, or they say, listen, we're one in five. It's not over yet, but changes need to be made. That's a good point, Teddy. I'd never even thought of that, but if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be Keenan. Uh, fifth game of the weekend, ball arena, Vancouver, 
at Colorado, a rematch of that wacky eight, wacky 18, 11 game in Vancouver. That was the last game Vancouver played. If you can believe it. Also, this is the first home game for the mammoth since December 11th pack even crazier. It will be the first time that Andy Lindahl and Jamie Shuchuk call a game for the Mammoth all year. <laughs> Are you serious? Oh, wow. Because the first game is- was an ESPN game. Yeah. And then their next home game got postponed. So they haven't called a game all year long. That is unbelievable. That is- I mean, good for them that they're finally getting back in the right? saddle, but – that is that is crazy. That is absolutely nuts. Yeah, I, I I remember Jamie and I talking about this because he was like, when when the first when the schedule first came out, he was like, so what happens when it's an ESPN game? Like, do we call the games? Like, no, it'll be a national broadcast crew. It's like, oh man, so I won't like call a game till middle of summer. I'm like, yeah, that kind of sucks. And the game gets postponed. Now he doesn't get to call a game till the end of January. Like, I felt bad for Jake Elliott when he had to wait to like the first weekend of January to call a game. Jamie Shuchuk's had to wait almost two months to call a game. Yeah. And that's, uh, I, I mean, our boy Shani, I think he's only called one game because, you know, the other games the, have been the, TSN games. The Toronto Rock have had their healthy dose of TSN games. Yeah. So. But let's, uh, let's focus on the actual game. Yes, this of course. Let's not give Shuey too much airtime here. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we talk about this Colorado team and what are they? And we've kind of said that about a lot of teams this year. Who are they? Are they, you know, a team that that has their goaltender pulled within the first four minutes? Or are they a team that can rattle off 18, 18 out of the next 11 or four, whatever, 20 goals, um, whatever that run was? Like, this is a, a huge moment for Colorado to really show who they are. But it's also at the same time the exact same thing for the Vancouver Warriors. Absolutely, and I, I, like I don't think we're seeing twenty nine goals in this game. Like I, I just don't see that happening. I don't think Dylan Ward is going to have a stinker like that again. I think a bouquet realizes that he needs to have a bounce back if he wants that cage to be his uh, the rest of the way. But with that being said, I think whenever you see that mammoth logo and and even the way that we saw Vancouver play at the start of the year you just assume oh it's going to be a gritty defensive battle which it could have those elements but I think the way these two teams are constructed now there's a lot of high-powered offense and I think they're Mm. going to try to play this game not nearly as crazy and run and gun as we saw last game but I think you know, Vancouver, Colorado games aren't going to be those low scoring games that you're used to seeing anymore because there's just so much firepower on this offense. And for Vancouver, the the it's unfortunate because the layovers have not been good, um, you know, for teams. And I mean, we haven't seen Colorado for very long either. So you can kind of be, be pleased about that. Um, but I think these are two teams that are going to want to set the tone and not just set the tone, keep it because we saw Vancouver set the tone. They took the foot off the gas and they fell asleep at the wheel. Um, I'm liking this devil's advocate role right now. Um, if Zed Williams plays and the Colorado offense struggles, does he get moved? 
I don't think so. I don't think so. I think they invested a lot in Zed and I think that they're going to trust the process that he's going to be able to figure things out. I think he's far too talented. And I know we talked with, you know, some in our group chats and I think even on spaces that there was an opportunity that, you know, you could maybe flip him to Saskatchewan. I think if someone comes knocking at your door and offers a piece, you know, that you think that can help you win a championship, or even, uh, you know, some good future draft picks. Mm-hmm. I think you you definitely are interested, but I don't think you're knocking on anyone else's door. I don't think you're picking up the phone and saying. No, well, I don't think they're shopping. But No, he doesn't go on, on the trade block. Yeah. But I think if there are, there are suitors, um, you know, dancing partners, if you will, looking to grab grab Zed, then I think you, you definitely think about it, but there's no way you're putting them on the block just yet. 9 p.m. Eastern Ball Arena. Uh, in Denver, Colorado. Final game of the week. Calgary at San Diego in Pachanga Arena, 10 p.m. Eastern. Um, Another rematch of a fantastic game from a few weeks ago. But if Frank Shiliano isn't cleared and you are head coach Patrick Merrill, do you start Chris O'Riglieri or do you start Justin Getty? I think I go Getty and I know he wasn't on your roster and I know he, you know, this organization has a ton of faith in O'Regulary and he looked great in his first win, but Getty was, he was tremendous. Like he was really good. O'Rig was like, Oh, this is a nice story, but there was a few shots where, and, and, you know, points throughout that game where he looked overwhelmed early on. Yeah. I think Getty is the more NLL ready goaltender right now but i think o'riglieri has the much higher ceiling like i think O'Reilly could be i think he can be a star in this league i think he can be you know a, a, a you know just as orangeville does pumps out like a1 talent in net and i'm not saying justin getty can't but i just i see look at the two guys and i just see a little bit of a higher ceiling for yeah. O'Rig. and that's why oh. i think you can stuff him on the practice roster let him continue to learn. Uh, and Getty's a guy that, you know, I think he he has shown that, you know, he can steal a game. I don't know if you could say Oreg stole that game, if right. you want to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, this will be Calgary's first game since week three, Pat. They played the first three weekends of the year. They haven't played since. And they may have only practiced like three times at most since then. We talk about uh, – hold on. I'll get to that second in a second. We've seen Halifax. We've seen Rochester, uh, teams that have had extended layoffs and come back in their first game and have mixed success. What do you expect from a Calgary team that hasn't played in over a month? Uh, honestly, this is such a cop-out, but I don't know what to expect. I think that there's – this is this is a tough spot because we saw Halifax come out flying and they set the tone and they looked like they were going to run away with that but at the end they kind of lost their their gas and mm-hmm. the wheels started to fall apart. So then there's the other, you know, way that you can go and what you can do is kind of coast into the game. But what you don't want to do is what happened with Rochester. They didn't come out firing, but they go down 5-1, and they are never able to come back. But they looked like a team that were kind of like 
but I guess it's a bit different because they had a, a game the next day. It seemed like they were maybe they had that in the back of their minds, but Calgary can't just come out guns a blazing, push the ball in transition, play that up tempo game that they're used to playing because there's a good chance by that third quarter they're going to lose their their gas. So it, it's 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 kind of a it's a double edged sword. You don't want to come out slow but you also don't want to come up too fast because there's a good chance that the wheels may fall off. Um, this was going to be my point the last time. Um, we talk about panic for Toronto or for Saskatchewan. If Calgary drops to one and three, is there panic? You know what? I don't think so because they're, that's, you know, they're only, they've only played four games. And as mentioned, you know, Saskatchewan struggling, Panther City just with one win so far. You know, Vancouver, they've lost two in a row. Colorado, eh, kind of don't know. And then you do lose two to San Diego in your division. Never want that. Mm-hmm. But with the exception of San Diego, you look, you're like, okay, like we can still climb up the ladder here. We can yes. still potentially catch Colorado. We can still get up there. I just, for, for me, I just don't think that the, the panic is there because they've only played those four games. And just with the way that the West is right now, um, it, it's going to be easier to, to climb up spots if you just string a couple of wins together. I'm going to stop using the word panic because we have no idea what this season is going to shape out to be. And every <laughs> yeah. team is still in it. Like, yeah, you go on a three-game run and you can be at the top of your division in a heartbeat. So um, yeah. I'm going to shelf the word panic for a few weeks. <laughs> Um, and we will come back to that. Yes. But process. I, speaking yeah. of panic, and I know we've already talked about the team, but I was just like, you know, thinking with Saskatchewan, let's just say, you know, Saskatchewan comes out this week, they win, they get their second uh, win of the season. They're mm-hmm. still near the, the bottom of, you know, of, of well, the standing. Sort of, yes. Yeah. Bottom ish. But then their next few games, they go Vancouver, Colorado, Colorado, Panther City, then San Diego. There's a good chance that they would be favorites in every single one of those games, except for San Diego. Mm-hmm. So that's where you, you, you say it. Like, if they can win here in, uh, against Panther City, it's about just weathering the storm. Okay, boys, we weathered the storm. We didn't weather it like we wanted to. Now let's power through here. Let's see how February goes. And I use Saskatchewan as an example because they have that built in belief. I know they do. They know that they're a championship caliber team. And you could say the same for Calgary because, you know, that team, you, you want to talk about, you know, leadership and, and, and coaching staff. Well, Calgary, you know, you know, Mouse is, is preaching the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's not going to stand for this start. So I don't know if there's a panic, meaning there's going to be trades happening, but there might be guys in the press box or guys taking off special teams. There was going to be some sort of message sent. Um, I said this uh, on Coast to Coast a few weeks ago, 14 of Calgary's last 15 games are versus Western division opponents. So they're going to be, you know, battling within their division for much of the remainder of the season, much like Saskatchewan. So those interdivision games as this season goes along are going to eventually pay dividends 
down the road. Um, our boosted parlay went two for three. And in honor of meatloaf, two out of three ain't bad, so we're going to take it. But this week, we look get to get back on track with what I'm calling the Teddy J Booster Shot Boosted Parlay. Time now for Box Bets, your source for all the lines, odds, and props across the NLL. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly. <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> all right, so we went two for three last weekend. The opening game of the week, uh, weekend cost us. Uh, we won pretty much everything else. Uh, but this week, we uh, we got another good one for you, Pat. It's a good one. I'm I'm super pumped about this. And I know we put you on suspension, Teddy. <laughs> but the suspension's been lifted. You got a pick in here as well. So all hands on deck for this boosted odds parlay. And this week, we have Wings, Moneyline, Firewolves, Thunderbirds, 23 and a half under and sorry, under yes. 23 half under mammoth warriors over 23 and a half. That one normally will pay you plus three, sorry, plus four thirty, And we're boosting it all the way up to plus 500. So I'll do that again. Wings money line. Just have to win the game. That's it. Albany. Halifax under 23 and a half goals, Mammoth Warriors over 23 and a half goals plus 500. That easy. Um, we were talking about this last week on the show about the alternate odds. We've got alternate odds on everything now. And yeah. you can like your handicaps can go from minus one and a half to two and a half your goal differential or your over-unders can go from 22 to 23 in some games. Like there's a full goal difference in some of those games. Um, so if you don't like what you see, you can change it. If you don't like what we say, maybe you want to change your parlay, but that's ours. And we think it's going to be a good one, but are there any other little juicy sprinklers that you just kind of might say, Hey, why not? Well, I know I just said that I didn't have much faith in, in New York to, beat Buffalo, but I'm, I'm I'm tempted to take them on, which uh, I I would be tempted to take them plus two and a half or on the ball line, as Paul Dawson uh, called it on the off on the uh, back of the bird uh, podcast, but I'm, I'm, I'm tempted it. You're only getting minus one Oh four and, and Buffalo, that's a bet where they could jump out super early and feel really silly about. So I'm going to hold off on that one. Um, but I mean, of the parlay legs, I like both of those bets quite a bit. Um, but for me, um, I, I don't know. I, I think Georgia on the money line at plus 135 is really, really enticing. Or if you go to that alt spread, um, I don't know. I kind of like, I kind of like Georgia plus one and a half at minus 133. But if you're feeling a little frisky, plus 135, Georgia to, to win outright. I really like that one. Um, the the one that really just kind of keeps staring me right in the eyeballs is Panther City Moneyline plus 290. Ooh. Like, Ooh. We, we talk about, you know, Saskatchewan struggles. You know, we heard directly from Tracy Koluski 
that this Panther City team is starting to believe in themselves and they could easily be, you know, four and one or three and one right now if they get a bounce the other way. And, and they're they're not an expansion team. They're not playing like an expansion team. They may look like one on paper, but uh, everybody's bought in. And plus 290 against a team that is struggling at home in Saskatchewan. They haven't won a home game yet. Um, that's, that's not a bad sprinkler. No, I, and I mean, if you're, if you're a coward like me and, <laughs> you know, don't have the faith in that, why not go Panther City plus two and a half? You get that at plus 100. So you get a, you know, you don't get the quite the value of plus 290, but you have that insurance there. If it's within the two goals, then, and, and Panther City, that's one thing that they do. Uh, you know, they only have one victory, but every single other game, except for their home opener against Vancouver, they've been close. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that plus two and a half is a, is a decent number. Even plus two is probably a decent number. We like those half numbers for sure. Um, where do we do all this, Pat? Let the people know how they can get involved. So you want to grab your laptop or your desktop computer, type in www.coolbet.com. Once you get there, you can sign up. And of course, when you do sign up, use that promo code OTCB. And the fine folks at Cool Bet Canada will double your deposit up to $200 terms and conditions apply. And of course, if you're already a cool better, you absolutely already know where you can find the NLL odds and the boosted odds parlays on that hot bar. But of course, tons of other things going on down at Cool Bet. The odds are endless. Uh, I'm just looking. Farmers insurance odds are up. Uh, men's and women's Aussie Open final or semifinal odds are up. Uh, man, a tough one for FAA down there losing yeah. five sets to Medvedev. Like he had him up two nothing too. Man, that's mm. to have him lose that way and then to watch uh, Chapo fall to Rafa was a tough one. But overall. A great weekend for men or a great couple of weeks for men's Canadian tennis. Uh, even Canadian tennis, if you go back to, you know, the world, um, the, what was it they were playing down there? Was it uh, like a world ATP. tournament that they played Spain or something like that? What was that? Do you remember? The, yeah, ATP, War, yeah. ATP World Championships. Something like that. But like yeah. a great, you know, Candle Cross had a bit Cup. of a wave. Yeah, it had a Cup, bit of a yeah. wave with Milos. And it was like, oh, Canada tennis. Then it kind of took a dip. But now Chapo and Felix and Bianca and just the run of names that's coming up is awesome for Canadian tennis. Um, and there's some good odds over there for the men's and women's finals uh, over on Cool Bet. But as we always say, please stay cool. Bet responsibly. But before we get going out of this segment, Teddy, oh, I, can't I, believe, I can't believe I didn't tell you. Did you know? That Cool Bet Canada has odds for the Royal Rumble this weekend. Shut up. Yes, what? absolutely. Yes, there, there are odds. So it's not on our hot event. So if you go okay. down to all the sports, yeah, there you'll see World Wrestling Entertainment. Just click that one there. Be at the very bottom, and we've got odds for some of the main events. We've got the men's Royal Rumble winner. We also had the women's Royal Rumble winner. It's down right now, so they must be adjusting the odds. But you can even bet on other things, like how many 
eliminations Brock Lesnar will get or AJ yeah. Styles or who's going to be winning, who's going to who's going to be in the top 4, the match duration of the Royal Rumble um, over or yeah. under an hour. Options are endless, my man. Okay. See, that I can get behind. <laughs> yeah, I, I you, am. I knew you would. I'm, I'm going to spend a couple hours digging through that because But I'm furious. I didn't know that it's it's on a Saturday this year. It's always pay-per-views are always Sunday. Always but- Sunday. Yeah, I think I, I truly believe like look at the farmers insurance. Like they started on a Wednesday this week. I think everyone's trying to avoid going up against football playoffs right now. It's smart. It's really smart. It's just me being selfish. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hundred percent. You know, uh, I'm still joining a pool with my buddies, the, the our Royal Rumble pool, which I won last year. I won the women's and the men's. Not a big wow. deal. No um, deal. Um, Jake Hanhock always used to do a WrestleMania pool. Nice. Um, And uh, I won that a couple years ago on a tiebreaker. (laughs) Oh, man. That's awesome. Basically, all we do, though, is you get a randomizer of numbers and whatever that wrestler, the superstar. You get that that number. Whatever number you get, you get that wrestler. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I had absolutely no luck in doing it, but I'm totally going to take all the credit for both. But. unbelievable all right so that's uh box bets for this week um again coolbet.com is where you can find everything uh stay cool bet responsibly all right um so that's weeks eight week nine we're, we're getting towards the halfway point of the season um but we're also getting news out of the pll we don't talk a lot about the pll especially during nll season but the fact that We've had a good couple of Canadians get picked up. Um, just continues to show how much of an impact our guys are having in regular lacrosse league. <laughs> it's awesome. It really is awesome. And you can see a lot of teams. I shouldn't say a lot, but there's a few teams, obviously chaos, most, most notably. Andy Towers loves that, you know, the box lacrosse style. He loves the yeah. Canadians. He says, you know, it's not just their skill set, but he loves – the hockey mentality of of team first and, you know, willing to do whatever it takes to win. Um, But we see the water dogs, obviously adding, you know, what three Canadians over or two Canadians plus an American who has box lacrosse experience in Charlie kitchen grabs Matt Hossack. Who's going to play short stick. This guy played LSM at, at RIT, but Obviously, with his box lacrosse experience, they're confident that he's going to be able to, you know, switch to short stick, uh, D-Midi, no problem. Reed Bowering as well. Played attack, you know, at uh, in NCAA at, at uh, Drexel. But sounds like he's going to play a little bit of midfield. Mm-hmm. I think teams are realizing that with the way that the rules, the smaller field, everything's constructed, it boards it, it, teams that like to play fast and creative. Well, if you're going to do that, you have to grab Canadians or you have to grab uh, players from the Haudenosaunee's or you have to grab guys that are Americans that have played box yeah. because it just helps your team be successful in that style of lacrosse. Uh, Redwoods picked up Clark Peterson, uh, Chrome grabbed Pat Aslanian, Kyle Gallagher, and Jeff Henrik. Uh, but also just today, Chrome announcing that Greg Weil and Jesse King have been moved to the holdout list. So, um, Tough break for them and, and tough news for Jesse King, who won't be playing for the Chrome for another year. And I know he really 
miss being with that group. He kind of has the connection with a lot of those guys dating back to some Rattler times. Um, but that, that's a, that's a tough one for Jesse King and for Greg Whale and for the Chrome. Yeah. He was so much fun to watch. And I think a lot of people down South of the border kind of opened their eyes and yeah, he had some, some good years at the Ohio state, but um you know, a lot of people were like, whoa, this King, this King guy, he like, you know, he can play. And, mm-hmm. but you, you ask anyone North of the border, we've known about him for a very long time. Um, but I, I do think, I think the Canadian movement is happening here. I think there's going to be some teams that you just, you probably will never see them add too many Canadians, but water dogs, Chrome, and um, obviously chaos. They're teams that continue to just add more and more Canadians. One last thought before we get out of here. Obviously, this week is a very important week up north of Canada for Let's Talk Day. Um, It is very poignant to talk about this as we have all been dealing with any sort of mental health issues uh, during this pandemic. Uh, It is a silent killer. You never really know what's going on in a person's mind or in a person's world if you don't just give time to talk and to listen. So please... If you are struggling, if you're feeling down, if you're feeling depressed, if you just don't know which way you're going, reach out to somebody. And if someone does reach out to you, give them the courtesy and the time to just listen to the words. You don't have to fix. You don't have to cure. You don't have to give them the answers. Sometimes the best thing you can do is just shut up, sit in silence, and just listen to what someone has to say. Because they may need to get a whole lot of shit off their chest. And that's where we all need to be a little better and just listening, be a little kinder, be a little more humane to our fellow man and woman. And just hopefully we can continue to help those that are struggling get through those dark times. Cause I know there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who struggle with it on a daily day basis. And just remember you are sick, you are not weak and you have strength in numbers and we are all there for you. So if you ever need someone to talk to, you can always reach out to myself can always reach out to Pat. You can always reach out to anybody that you feel safe with. And we hope that you do. And we hope that you can get some help if and when you feel the time is needed. I couldn't have said that better myself, Teddy. It's 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 a great initiative, but it should be talked about every day. But on on a day where we're opening eyes to it, let's let's remind everyone that you know it's okay to not be okay. 1000% Patrick. Um, he is P Greggy on Twitter. I am at Teddy Jenner. The show is at OTCB underscore podcast. You can find us on Instagram at OTCB podcast. If you want to get yourself an every child's matter shirt, or you want to get yourself some authentic national lacrosse league gear, head over to NLL shop, shop, or fanatics.ca and get yours today. Thanks to Tracy Kluski for something my giving us some time. And as always, Thanks to you for sticking around and listening. Until we speak again, enjoy the games and be excellent to each other.